This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys who just want to let Yards Brewing know if they want to send a little bit of that Kevin Hayes beer our way, we wouldn't be opposed. Craig, I want to make it known for everybody here that I have a favorite member of the International Olympic Committee, and that favorite member is named Dick Pound. All right, Dick Pound. What uh, what does he do? What is his role? I imagine he just pounds dicks. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. No, I just I, I I think this comes up every couple of years when the Olympics come up, and you forget about this and then you see the name pop up and i saw this in a a story about coronavirus uh putting the olympics in danger of even happening and ioc member dick pound and i looked at that and i went is that really this guy's name is it really dick pound and i i think this is you know olympic not the most relevant especially because the nhl went out of its way to not make this the most relevant to the uh podcast but the the Olympics maybe not the most relevant topic for this podcast, but you know what is a relevant topic for this podcast? A funny name. We love a good funny name on Fly Purbly. Yeah. 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 Funny names are good. Yeah. And I would say Dick Pound has to be an all-time funny name. I mean, I would say this guy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, if you go by Dick, number one, your name's Richard, and you have willingly chosen to go by Dick, and yeah. then your last name is Pound, and you know that's a hilarious name. So this was... <laughs> This was a choice. It's a very comedic choice. I appreciate the effort. Uh, I do wonder when he came to the conclusion. He was like, no, nah, no, nah, call me Dick. Like, I wonder if it was just like a thing. He was in middle school and he's like, wait, I can go by Dick? Yeah, call me. I'm Dick Pound. Please call me Dick Pound. Oh, yes, I'm Dick Pound. Or like, it just like, do you think it was like an unfortunate like workplace thing? Like once he got to the IOC, they're like, oh, we already have one Richard. And we're just going to call you Dick, all right? And then like he happened to be Dick Pound. So maybe that's what... I do, but I guess, it is. <laughs> I guess I'm tick bound. <laughs> it is true, though. I feel like I feel like we do this like once every like couple of years. I guess because he does have one thing to say at the IOC, and everybody's like, "It's Dick Pound. This dude, this dude's name is Dick Pound." Look, I also just like the picture. His official name on documents is Pound, comma Dick. Like that's he has to write that out too. So it's a uh, it's a good name. It's a top of line name. Yeah. It is a top name, and I, I just wish he was an NHL player so you could get that jersey. Yeah, I, I wish he was like the Colin Campbell. Like, I wish he served that kind of role, like where we can still reference him every once in a while, and it would get laughs when we mention the name, but it's not meant to be. Maybe we can get him on the uh, the, the hockey wing of the uh, IOC and see if we can get the... Like, what if he becomes the, the point of contact with the Olympics for, like, getting the NHL involved with the Olympic Games again? That's all we... That's all. That's all we talk about on flight yeah. every week. <laughs> it's just like, oh, the league didn't reach out the Dick Pound this week, so uh, we'll see if uh, they reach out the Dick Pound next week. We'll find out. <laughs> just on the edge of my seat over that Dick Pound news. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been an eventful week. You know, you're you're talking about that. You're talking about all those big trades that the Flyers made at the trade deadline. Was, Huge trades. Bigger. Yeah. I, I can't I'm, think of bigger trades that could have been made. I was gonna say edge of our seats. You want to talk about the edge of my seat Monday? 
when I heard we got a little guy named Derek Grant, yeah. I, I oh, really baby! Yeah. I put my, I set up my lawn chair on Broad Street. I was like, this is where I'm sitting for the parade, right here. This this spot right here. It's marking it off already, a couple months in advance. So Just call this area Grantland, because Derek's <laughs> going to own it. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, Derek Grant. Derek Grant and uh, Nate Thompson. So, uh, cups in the back. Those, yeah. those sure are some names. They are names, and I would have really hated these trades in years past. I don't hate them as much right now, I guess, because, uh, you know, I don't know. They were fine trades. They didn't pay a lot for them. And I can kind of see. I don't think we needed both of them. That's what I'll say. Uh, I would have been fine with one of them and Joel Farabee staying up. But I guess we'll take uh, Derek Grant. And Nate Thompson. Uh, and how we got those guys real quick. Uh, Derek Grant was on the Ducks. Got him from Anaheim for Kyle Criscuolo. And a 2020 conditional fourth. Uh, the Ducks will get the better pick for them between the Flyers and the Predators fourth this year. The Flyers got the Predators fourth in the Simmons-Hartman deal. Uh, and then before the acquisition of Grant, the Flyers also acquired Nate Thompson from the Canadians for a 2021 fifth. So both guys are centers. Both guys are older centers. Um, Derek Grant turns uh, tw- uh, turns 30 on uh, April 20th, a.k.a. 420, a.k.a. the second nice. Uh, and he was a fourth-round yes. pick of Ottawa back in 2008. A lot of goals this season, Stephen. 14 goals and 20 oh, wow. points and 49 games. Now, we just kind of have he, – he's, he's riding a, a, a streak of luck here. I mean, he's shooting 17.3%. Uh, for his career, for his career, career, for his career, 258 games, he has 30 goals, including these 14 goals over seven seasons. So I'm not really expecting to break the 20 goal plateau here, but he is just shooting the lights out for some reason this year. So, and the Flyers will only have him for this year as his contract expires in the summer. So I guess if he wants to keep getting lucky for this year alone and somehow hits 25 goals, be my guess. But what I'm saying is, is I think, unfortunately, I think the goal scoring might kind of. Uh, dry up here for him but i guess we'll find out uh nate thompson to 35 year old center taken in the sixth round of the 2003 draft by the, the bruins again that two, 2003 draft was loaded i mean nate thompson is a perfect example of that 14 points in 63 games with montreal this season he has four goals 155 points in 761 nhl games and uh yeah both these guys uh, i'll tell you what not not going to move the needle. Not exactly the sexiest or the most important pickups, but I get the idea of veteran leadership for this particular team. I like the idea of bringing in insurance for bottom six forwards, guys that can play the penalty kill, guys that are just going to go block shots in the playoffs. Like that's, that's what these guys are brought in to do. There's an injury to Raffle, Lawton, or Victoria or Hayes. These guys can fill in on the penalty kill. You know, if Bonneman or Farabee do end up playing in the playoffs and don't look that great, these guys are backups to them. I don't know. I mean, they're a couple whatever trades, Steve, right? <laughs> but I'm not yeah. really getting too excited about them. But I, I get why they did it. It's just there's, it's whatever. I mean, we didn't really think they were going to go nuts this this trade deadline, and uh, I'm happy they didn't. I, I guess I wouldn't say happy. I like I, I didn't expect them to swing for the fences, and I'm happy they they didn't in the sense that I don't. I feel like if they had made a push this year, it kind of would have looked like the, to fully trade a little bit with the Canucks, where it was just a team that is. The Flyers could win it this year, 
I think they're going to look even better next year. So I'm kind of glad they hung on some assets that they could have dealt at this year's deadline. Guys like apparently Scott Lawton, who was gaining some interest. Uh, Raffle. Oh, noted second line center Scott Lawton. Yeah, second line center. iTunes comment section. Uh, Scott Lawton lighting it up in the top six the last couple games. Just want to get that out there. But yeah, so I mean, I where do you how do you lay on these bad boys, Steve? What are you feeling? Yeah, you pumped. You excited? Does this make them better? I've never been more excited about Flyers (laughs) hockey than I am at this moment. I mean, they're fine. I agree with your assessment that they should have done one of these, not both, but they didn't break the bank for either. They're not really going to miss any of the assets that they gave up in theory. Uh, They shouldn't miss any of the assets and it's, it's fine. It's, you know, it's a solid move. It's, it sucks because the Metro had a pretty good trade deadline. Yeah, so yeah. looking around the division, there were some big moves made and to see the flyers just go with two guys that most NHL fans haven't heard of is not exactly what you want to see as a flyers fan, but I am glad they didn't give any assets up. And the big thing is considering how the flyers have grown over the past few years, really the strength of this team is how the, the, the players that they've drafted and developed have grown, you know, yeah. Scott Lawton yeah. looking good. Uh, NAK of the NAKGB, yeah. those kind of guys like stepping up to the plate. And of course, Travis Konechny, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provorov. Like there's so many great young players on this team. And this team is what it is because of those guys. And, you know, to give Chucky two trades, some, some credit, Kevin Hayes too. Oh yeah. 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 I mean the defense. Yeah. Uh, Sanheim and uh, Myers too back there. And, um, and Myers. yeah, turns a law. And, uh, and yeah, and I think that that speaks to why Fletcher didn't go nuts here either, because a lot of those guys still have room for growth. So rather than maybe try and sell one of them out to get a big home run piece this year, kind of let them fill more into their roles, not fill into their roles, play even better next season rather than ship out a big haul right now. And, um, I think so. Part of the reason why these two were brought in, I have I have stats. You guys aren't going to believe it, but uh, oh, wow. both these guys, I mean, veteran leadership. They're going to block shots. They're going to do all the gritty work. They're going to do all like this is what these guys are. So, on on that note, uh, defensive zone starts. So the number of shifts these two start in their defensive zone compared to the neutral zone or offensive zone, uh, they start a lot of their their shifts in the defensive zone out of 332 forwards that have played 455 and five minutes or more this season. Grant has the seventh highest percentage starting the defensive zone and Thompson is 15th. Uh, and somebody else I saw up there in the ranks that could kind of explain why these two were added. Uh, Drew is 11th in terms of starting, uh, highest starting percentage uh, of shifts in the defensive zone. So if you're wondering why Drew kind of like maybe, may have lost a step this year or doesn't really seem like he's keeping up with pace a lot. He is starting a little bit in the defensive zone more than I think he has in years past. So, you know, zone starts, they've figured out over the last couple of years aren't as meaningful as advanced stats people used to put emphasis on a couple of years ago, but it still means something in my opinion. And this was unfortunately this argument right here that I just went over was the big selling point on why Boyd Gordon was brought in. So you remember his illustrious career as a flyer, but the man big... that is like, you could put a gun to my head <laughs> and ask me about Boyd Gordon. And I probably would not recall who that is. I, the only thing I remember was that signing and being like, Oof, 
And then he scored the first goal of that season, and then the season kind of went to plan for a team that. And then he never scored again. <laughs> I think that's accurate. I forget. I forget if he had more, but I know he had that one. So, uh, but that's that's the main thing. Again, veteran experience. These guys have been around forever. I also thought maybe size a little bit because um, Thompson is only six one. He's around the same size as Bunneman. Grant's a little bit bigger than Bunneman, so maybe put him on the fourth line with Raph on NAK. Maybe that's what they're going for. Sometimes bigger teams play out well in the postseason. I don't know. Again, these trades are not going to lose sleep over. Uh, and also, I just I would prefer that Farabee be in over Thompson, um, and they just kind of let him work out his his postseason problems if he has any in the postseason. Uh, but maybe he'll be back up by the the end of the season. I imagine he will be. And um, yeah, I mean that's it. That's that's who we got. Eric Grant and Nate Tom. Uh, going about Tuesday's game. Let's see. Uh, so t- uh, Grant had zero points, zero shots on goal, two pe- uh, penalty minutes, three hits, and blocked the shot, winning 60% of his face-offs. Again, that's going to be a whole thing. 53 seconds shorthanded, uh, and he skated between JVR and Pitlick on the third line, who did pretty good, uh, even in shot attempts. And then 62.46 expected goals, four percentage. Nate Thompson, zero points, one shot on goal, two hits, a block shot, one takeaway while going minus one and 40% from the dot in 1244, 126 shorthanded. So, I mean, Nate Thompson already playing a lot of shorthanded minutes, skating between Raffle and NAK. That fourth line got murdered, though. Uh, 28.57 shot attempts, four percentage, 21.3 expected goals, four percentage, and a goal against in the least amount of ice time. Uh, the four lines for the Flyers. So, yeah, these guys, I mean, Nate Thompson has pretty bad online numbers, but that's kind of like his thing. That's what he's become known for. Like, I don't know, usually these guys that play really defensive roles, uh, the a little more lenient in expectations for how well they're going to drive play. Doesn't mean I really want him on the team, though. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. for them. So I think I would have just stuck with, uh, I think I would have been fine with Grant. If Grant was the only addition and he was going to plop it on the fourth line, if Faraby was still playing in the top six or nine, okay. But I, the Farabee angle is rubbing me a little bit wrong. And again, he could be up this weekend. He could be up for tomorrow's game. Saturday. I don't know. Like he could be up in the near future. I just don't like. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't like sending yeah. Farabee down there because we all know Farabee's got a much higher upside than either of these guys. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, what makes these guys not exciting pickups for the Flyers is also what makes them not an exciting option uh, when you choose them over Joel Farabee in the lineup. It could just be a temporary thing until they kind of figure out, you know, which one of them they prefer. Cause it, it kind of seems like there was a, a buy one, get one sale and they were like, well, I might as well get both and see which one we like better. Yeah. We got a blue one and we got a red one. Let's see which color works better in our home. And they're, they're, they're given each their fair tryout, you know? And then once they've decided blue or the red, then they'll uh, they'll bring Shoal Farabee back from the Phantom Zone or whatever. But <laughs> the Phantom Zone, I like that. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I mean, that, I, I agree with that. That that's pretty fair. I, I kind of feel like they wanted Grant, and then they're like, oh shit, we could get Thompson. We should maybe just get this guy in case we can't get Grant. And then let me tell you, when you have a chance to get a Nate Thompson, you sure as shit get a Nate. Yeah, Thompson. you jump up out of your seat, you scream to all your assistants to get in the room. And then you make that phone call and you hope the trade goes through. No, I know. We've all been there. We've all been waited with bated breath to see if Nate Thompson was going to be added to our favorite team. And uh, 
luckily for us, Steve, he's here now. So let's, what a time to be alive. Let's live in the moment because we're seeing Nate Thompson live and in the flesh. So uh, a couple other trades real quick uh, for the Flyers. TJ Brennan to the Blackhawks for Nathan Noel. We talked about Noel a little bit on the forecast. 22-year-old center, uh, turns 23 in June, drafted in the fourth round of 2016 by the Hawks after being passed over in 2015. Uh, has yet to play an NHL game. Seven points in 71 AHL games, 28 points in 60 ECHL games over the last three pro seasons. So not exactly great. Uh, only worth note because he is an RFA this summer. So it does turn into an asset they can extend next season. So again, he, I, I remember seeing about this guy a lot uh, during the 2015 and 2016 drafts. Uh, he didn't really produce a ton in the QMJHL, so I'm not really expecting too much at the NHL level. And also, I mean, it was trade. It was a one-for-one trade with TJ Brennan, so yeah, I wouldn't really expect much there. Um, also, JF Berube, JF, don't call me Craig Berube, traded to the Rangers for future considerations. Uh, does open up a, uh, the door for Kirill Ustamanko, Lil Uzi Vert to play in the AHL. He had a 36 save performance last weekend for the Phantom, so hopefully that's all that trade means. And, I mean, again, that's not really the, the biggest trade ever. And then the only other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of Flyers trade, Steve, was apparently, according to Elliot Freeman, uh, he threw out there that teams were calling about Scott Lawton. Uh, 26th thought in the 31 thoughts this week. Yeah, well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, 26, another player I heard a lot of teams liked, Philadelphia Scott Lawton. Uh, quote, Chuck couldn't hang up fast enough, end quote, another exact, exact joke. So, yeah, I mean, he, the way he's been playing. Uh, but uh, No! He, are you kidding? Scott Lawton, our second Scott line center. Lawton? You might... Yeah, okay. Why don't you just ask me for Carter Hart while you're at it? <laughs> Am I getting McDavid? No? All right. Uh, so, but Lawton, one more year, uh, 2.3 million. Raffle, one more year at 1.6 million. And then goes three more years at 4.5. These are the only pieces that were signed through... Uh, that were signed through the summer and we're going to be here next year that I thought the Flyers would realistically think of trading. Everybody else, like, they weren't going to trade Sandheim. They're not trading Myers. They're not trading – they're not They're not trading Niskanen either right now, uh, and they weren't going to trade any of the forwards. Like, the one forward that everybody loves to throw out there is JVR, but, you know, he is scoring goals, uh, and he is a pretty important forward right now, and also he's got a decent amount of term for a deadline deal. It's on a little bit of a heater right now too. He yeah, looked he's, real good in the second line in that last game. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been looking fine. Him and I mean, yeah, Lawton too. Like we were we were joking about Lawton being a second line center, but like he uh, he's he's been looking pretty good. He's been playing pretty finely. That line, JVR Lawton Pitlick was doing pretty well until a couple games ago. But then um, Lawton Hayes and Connecting looked pretty damn good last night. Uh, or, a lot of jerk on that line too. A whole lot of jerk. A whole lot of jerk. A lot of jerks, a lot of murder, a lot of rest. A lot of jerk. It's a Let's Up song nobody knows about. But people do know about these trades that happen within the Flyers division. And, Stephen, let's start. Thank you. Start with the Penguins, who added a couple people. I'm still only concerned about the Zucker trade, to be honest, because a lot of these other names are, like, not, not really scare me. I don't know. But Patrick Marlowe, they got Patrick Marlowe from the Sharks for a 2021 conditional third. That condition is uh, when Pittsburgh wins the cup, it becomes a 2021 second. So Sharks... Did you say when? Yeah, it's happening. You know it is. Because yeah. I'm going to talk shit on all these trades, and then they're all going to be like the borderline Conn Smythe nominees. So 
20 points so far this year in 58 games for Patrick Marlowe, uh, with a 48.45 expected goals for percentage and a 0.1 war. 16 goals last season, 27 in 2017-18 and 2016-17. But he also hasn't broken 15 points or 50 points since 2014-15. So, but now yeah. that he's Sidney Crosby's number one winger, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna go. It's gonna go out the track. I guess that would be the big thing is if they just plop him down. All on that line. I guess they could have a top line of Marlowe, uh, Crosby, Zucker, but still, I mean, I, I want to see it. I don't know. He was also spending a lot of time up there with, uh, you know, that last 27 goal season was thanks to being up in Toronto with Tavares. So uh, I, and Matthews and all those guys. So maybe he picks it up again here with the Penguins, but I don't, like, that's still not a move that makes me think, well, they're going to do it. I, I'm still, I think the Zucker one still hurts. Me more, honestly. I don't know. What do you, What are you thinking about Marlo? He's getting older. I mean, he's becoming, uh. yeah, he's definitely old. I don't know. I just worry that it's like one of those like rally behind the old guy kind of moves, and yeah, that could be. Then he gets like a second. Trouble. He gets second life with the freaking shit ass Penguins. Ugh. <laughs> God damn it. You know that? I don't know. Do it's just like uh, the. It just feels like one of those things that could go right for those lucky SOBs. And yeah, of course. I, I, I hope it, it horribly backfires. I mean, third round pick for potential upside of, of a guy like Marlowe is, I, you know, I think it's a decent trade for the, the Penguins, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I hope it works yeah. out horribly. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, well, it has a chance of, of not doing shit because, you know, Marlowe does, in theory, look pretty cooked, but... I'm hoping it's not you throw him with some talent and all of a sudden he remembers who he is. Yeah. I also thought Ilya Kovachuk looked pretty cooked in uh, LA and apparently he's still getting shuffled around doing it right now too. So, uh, but I guess we'll find out. I did the old guy in the room angle is good. I guess they couldn't go with Jack Johnson for that. Cause he's Jack Johnson. So they get another guy, another body in there and, uh, too and... busy singing songs about curious George <laughs> and, <laughs> Make a banana pancakes, you know? Uh, and I think him being put with um, Crosby is a real thing that I guess I didn't really, I guess, factor in too much. But it's still whatever. You fool! The, uh, they also acquired uh, old friend Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez from the Buffalo Sabres for Dominic Cahoon. Uh, Sheary was in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Uh, this year, he had 19 points in 56 games for the Sabres with the 50.04 expected goals for percentage, 0.9 war. Evan Rodriguez, pretty much just in the league because he's Jack Uckle's friend, and now he's in Pittsburgh. Uh, nine points in 39 games, 45.36 expected goals for percentage, minus 0.4 war. He's never – again, these are one. this is one of those things. He never really did anything in Buffalo. So now that he's in Pittsburgh, yeah, you're right. They're probably going to get the, the Pittsburgh kiss of luck, and he'll be like a, over half a point per game player now and become semi-relevant. like But uh, Cahoon, too, is having a pretty good season. He's having a pretty good season. He's got 10 goals, 27 points in 50 games, 1.2 war, driving play. I think a lot of that, though, is because he worked well in Sullivan's system. So, again, you bring Sherry back into that system where he, was, he did pretty good a couple of years ago. Like, he was a good secondary piece for the penguins uh and then you add in rodriguez who again i it is an additional piece not really he's not much to write home about uh i guess they like what they say on him that would be the main reason to make that trade because i don't know why you would ship out kahuna was doing fine for these two guys but those were the those were the additions the uh, the penguins made so they added marlo sherry and rodriguez and they only lost uh Cahun. 
So uh, I was trying to get that old Shiri magic back. <laughs> that old Shiri. I mean, him and Rust and Hag, all those guys had like moments during those those cup runs that made me want to scream. So I'm sure we'll have a couple goals this year where it just makes you question whether or not uh, God or hockey is real. So uh, and then also, I think the biggest acquisition for us, Phil Veroni and Riley Barber also went from the Canadians to the Penguins for Joseph Blandesi and Jacob Lucina. So Phil Veroni. Phil Veroni. What do you think the odds are he scores a playoff goal against the Flyers? Significant. Uh, he's going to get at least one. It, it's going to work out some way where there's a game in Pittsburgh. Evan Rodriguez gets injured to snap his eight-game goal streak, and then uh, Phil Veroni needs to go in, and then he's going to score a goal in the third period or something. Like I can, I can already see it. It's happening. Uh, and if not against us, then against the Caps or the Islanders or somebody else to make it really, really annoying. But uh, well, speaking of the Islanders, though, JG Pajot went from this. Ah, yes. Islanders. The so Pajot of interest was uh, supposedly the Flyers' number one choice on trade deadline day, and the uh, the price was a little rich for Chucky Two Trades Blood. Yeah, but not rich enough for the Islanders' blood. Lou did not scoff at. Lou and apparently Barry Trotz just don't give an F about draft picks. Straight up just don't care about draft picks. Uh, well, the Islanders' time is now. Everybody knows it. Everybody looks at that squad and goes, oh, this is win-now mode. Hey, when, you know, when Anthony Bovillier is on the roster, you got to take as many swings as you can. And you just aim for the fences and hope for the best. So Shoot your shot, Isles. <laughs> Shoot your shot, Islanders. And they did, because they got Peugeot from the Senators for a 2020 conditional first 2022nd and a 2022 conditional third conditional on the first if the Islanders win the draft lottery it becomes a 2021 first and then the condition on the third is the pick is transferred if the Islanders win the cup this year so it could just be two picks uh looks like just gonna be the first and second probably but after the trade Peugeot signed a six-year deal worth 30 million which will be five million a year and uh, if you guys are familiar with the Flyers, that is the AMAC deal. So uh, congrats to Pajot on landing a nice, comfortable contract. Uh, 41 points in 61 games this year, 15 goals. Also scored a goal in the Islanders' debut earlier this week. 50 point, uh, 50.16 expected goals, 4 percentage, 1.5 war in 60 games this year. Uh, I think it's a good ad. I don't know if I – again, this is the type of deal I was thinking of. I don't know – I, th- I think I saw with Fletcher for not trading a first away for Peugeot this year, especially if it meant that contract. Uh, I, and I don't think the Flyers would have been interested in signing him for that contract, just considering the names they have the, down the middle right now. Um, they could always use the guy, but, uh, I mean, Couturier, Hayes, and then hopefully Patrick soon again. Uh, I guess it makes sense they didn't go for this trade. I like them holding on to the first, not because I'm super about keeping – picks and prospects right now but also just because i don't I, I don't even know if the islanders are that close to be adding i don't know if the islanders are a pageau away from winning no and i right. that was a tremendous okay. amount of sarcasm i was using oh, yeah. there. They're yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think they're close at all and i i think i've gone on record a few times on this show saying that team is entirely successful because of their coach and his system without barry trotz this team I don't even think this team is a playoff team or oh, even no, close no. to a playoff team without trots. No, not at all. I mean, they don't have a ton of all, a uh, ton of upside and skill in the roster, but it is just the defensive structure. And then they kind of let Matt Barzal just do a little bit of work every once in a while. So it's been working 
and uh, they keep plugging along. So they'll make it to the playoffs and then win a playoff round or something. But that was their big ad. They did add Andy Green as well uh, to replace Adam Pellick, who was out for the season. So they made a big move up front, made a big move on the blue line. They also added right-hand defenseman Jordan Schmaltz from Toronto for winger uh, Matt Loretto. He'll, he might, I imagine he might be the seventh. I don't think he's going to play regular minutes, at least not yet. Peugeot is a, as the third line center for them, I think. He's going to help them. I just don't think it, it doesn't make the Islanders the front runner to me now. And I, no, no, it's not a, yeah. It's not a move that puts them over the top in the way that I think they they might have hurt, hoped that it would put them over the top. And, I mean, the word on the street was that the Islanders were looking for some bigger fish that day, too. They were trying to oh, bring yeah. Zach yeah. Parise oh, back to right. the, the even, greater New uh, York region. Yeah, and that whole trade, that would have been... Now, if they added Parise and Peugeot, I think it might be a little bit of a different conversation, but I, but I still don't think that puts them, you know, anywhere close because I mean, Parise, you know, we were talking about Marlowe being a little cooked. Parise is putting up better numbers than Marlowe at this point in his career, but he's still not, you know, the player he was back when he was. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's true. He's not what he used to be. I still think he would have been a, I still think he would have been a worthwhile ad for them at this point in time, I guess. And well, I guess it, it, it would help them get out of uh, the lag contract too, I believe is what they were looking at. So they like, were looking at that, but I think it would also depend on, on how much they had to give up in the deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have, yeah. What were the, did I forgot to put it down here, but what was the whole reason that didn't go through? Did they ever explain why it didn't go? I am not sure. We'll and I know they tried to get some stuff out of Lou and yeah. you know, Lou's not giving anything up. Yeah. He's not giving anything up. So, uh, and well, actually the one thing I guess he did give up many years ago was Ilya Kovalchuk and, uh, he is now on the move. He, he's already moved. He's already in Washington. He got traded to the caps, uh, from Montreal for a 2023rd played 22 games. with The Canadians recorded 13 points. So maybe he isn't as done as everybody thought he was coming out of LA skate on the third line with Lars Eller and Carl Hagelin in his first game with the caps earlier this week. Um, I'm interested by that addition. Again, it's not a thing where I think that puts the caps over the top, but I think Ilya Kovalchuk playing in the bottom six could be a little bit of a matchup issue for teams in the postseason, especially if he's still got it a little bit. He's not Kovalchuk. He's not what he used to be. Maybe not even half of that, but again, he just put up 13 points in 22 games for the Habs, and uh, he's going to be going to a more talented team that probably has more defensive structure to help him. And if he ends up on a line with Backstrom and Ovechkin, I don't know. That could be pretty scary in the postseason. So I like that trade for them, especially for a third. I, I think that's a fine price to make. Or fine yeah, price. I, I don't know if it's going to work out just because of Kovalchuk's uh, inconsistency, but the fact that yeah, he'll get to play so far down in the lineup. And again, a third-round pick. I think a third-round pick is a perfectly fine risky pick to give up you know it's oh yeah, yeah. it's not really i mean uh, what what is a tyrell goldborn uh range right there <laughs> yeah sometimes that's tyrell goldborn range the others it's you know beneficial players in the future but yeah that's yeah the third round is that range of yeah yeah you're right that's the tyrell goldborn <laughs> it's a bit of a crapshoot generally you can't yeah, find some gold for sure yeah, yeah. But you can also you know find tyrell goldborn <laughs> yeah like i feel no i feel it like 
a first is like the premier players at the deadline of the draft are going to get a first. Second is always still good players and it's kind of hard to part with. And you can still kind of bank on getting high-end talent in the second round. Third round, you're right, it's like where it kind of all starts hitting the fan, where you're kind of like, well, we'll see what this guy does. <laughs> so giving up like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, not really as crushing as a first or second. So, uh, And then they also got Daniel Sprong from Anaheim for Christian Juice. Uh just two prospects not really doing too great at the moment. Daniel Sprong, I remember Daniel Sprong. Flyers fans losing their mind because at the 2015 draft, the Penguins didn't draft until the second round, and Daniel Sprong dropped, and everybody was like, oh, my God, they got Daniel. You're, you're kidding me. They got no, Daniel not Sprung. the Sprong, Meister. Yeah, not Sprong. And then he's been traded twice since, so he's – Old Sprongy. He's not really panning out. Christian Juice was like – he was a regular on the Cavs blue line a couple of years ago. And then I, I guess they've just been, they got a little bit crowded there. So they just shipped them out for, I, I would, I, I think Daniel Sprung might play on the fourth line or in the bottom six for the Cavs in the postseason. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he played limited minutes or just didn't play at all. So uh, what else? Oh, and then also they added Brendan Dillon before the deadline. Uh, I thought I like that trade a lot. It kind of feels like the company deal where they were able to add a, a pretty useful top four defenseman that should have a huge impact on their their pro season run at the uh, at the deadline. So I, I like that addition a lot for them. Uh, team that made a couple additions, the Hurricanes. Hurricanes were in the news a lot this week, and I'm gonna we're gonna laugh at them later. We're gonna la- or not at them. We're gonna laugh at what they did over the weekend a lot in about so 11, about two hours. We'll get laughing at them. But the Carolina deals, <laughs> the, uh, Vincent Trocheck. I don't understand this trade at all. This one blew me away. This was, I think, the one deal that I saw on trade deadline day. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Why did this happen? So many, yeah, so many reasons just doesn't make sense. Okay, so Trochek's had a couple down. He's in the middle of his uh, back-to-back down season, I guess. He didn't have the greatest season last year. He's not producing a ton this year. Still, he's 26. He's got two 20-goal seasons, and he's also got a 30-goal season. I think I hang on to that guy. The trade was... Uh, Trocheck going from the Panthers to the Hurricanes for Eric Holla, Lucas Walmark, Chase Prisky, and E2 Luasterian. I'm, I'm saying I got that. Luasterian, sure. yeah. Uh, and uh, Trocheck has two more years at 4.75 million a year. So this kind of feels like E2 Luasterian, great, great Witcher character. It's, it sounds like a German band or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, like, a, like they they open Rammstein. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this kind of, but the term left and how he's kind of had a bad season this year and last year, it kind of feels like the offensive version of Ghost. So I think I would take this gamble if I was the Hurricanes. And they gave up Halla and Walmart, who are both, they're fine players. And Prisky, uh, I, Prisky is a 23 year old right hand defenseman, 31 points, 52 games this year, his uh, first pro season uh, down in Charlotte. And then Losterianen, a 21-year-old center who played in games for Carolina this year and also has 25 points in 44 AHL games. Uh, was also a second-round pick in 2017. It, not, he's nothing to sneeze at. Like, both those guys are fine prospects, but again, I... Losterian, I hardly know him. Uh, that's a good, that's a good, like, dad joke. That's a good 50s joke right there. You know, when you're when you're in your mid-30s, that's, that's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah, it just transitions into it. Uh, but I think... I, Anytime we can get a guy that scored third goals, I think I, I think I hang on to that guy. And maybe he wasn't. Yeah. I was looking at his ice time. I don't think it's dropped a lot. Maybe he's fallen out of favor in the top six there. Uh, but it's still, 
I would make that trade for the Hurricanes. It's a little perplexing just because to do it at the deadline and also do it at the deadline, if you're the Panthers, a team that is still competing for one of the wild card spots with you. So this is like, this is the thing I was talking about, uh, or I talk about before every deadline too. Like when teams are, when people get pumped about like, oh, the big, like the big ad this year was Kreider. And people were like, oh, I wonder how the Flyers could get Kreider from the Rangers. I'm like, well, I'll give you a hint. It's, it's not going to happen because I don't think the Rangers are like, here, increase your chances of winning the Stanley Cup divisional rival. Like, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> like that doesn't make I don't know uh, and I, I mean I do like Trocek they also so Trocek they also added uh, Sammy Vodnin and Brady Shea because Hamilton's still out for the season and also uh, Brett Pesci got hurt over the weekend and is apparently exposed, supposed to miss a ton of time so they got Vatnin from uh, the Devils for Frederick Clausen, Yanni Kukinen and a conditional 2024th and they got Shea from the Rangers for a conditional 2021st uh, and Che, again, not the best last couple seasons for him in New York. Looked like he was working his way out of a top four role over the next couple seasons in New York. Played on the top pair last night with Slavin, or a couple nights ago with uh, Slavin on the top pair. So maybe uh, maybe they got bigger plans for him down in Carolina. And again, Eric T, future co-worker, he knows what he's doing down there. And uh, he's, he's always always knows what to do with the numbers. So I trust him. I think he's doing it right. Uh, Vatnin, I think, is probably going to be used more as a power play specialist. Maybe they put him on the third pair let him get some minutes on the top unit or the second unit, even though Hurricanes are a top 10 power play unit. His numbers at five and five aren't great. I know the devil's play a role in that, but still he looks more like a benefit at five on four than five on five. So Hurricanes did a lot. Hurricanes did probably what some Flyers fans wanted the Flyers to do. And that's fine. Um, Yeah. But do you think they did enough? Because this is a team that I think, they're certainly beloved by the the fancy stats crowd. I think they they have a lot of potential, but they just haven't been able to to really push their way up into the the upper tier of uh, yeah. The, I I I, I want to say the Eastern Conference, but the playoff format's so screwy and terrible <laughs> that it's hard to even say. But I, the the Metro in particular is just it's such a crazy division it's to play in. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's insane. Um, but considering part. all the things the Hurricanes have going for them, it, it, do you think this is enough to get them uh, higher in the pack in the Metro? Honestly, if if I was them, I would have wanted to try and add Laner instead of like I I don't know how much I don't, I don't know how much you needed Vatnin or even I mean Trocheck. They gave up a fair amount for Trocek, and I like Trocek. Uh, but I, I think with the injuries you just had, the Reimer and um, Morozik this weekend, I think I would have taken a run at Laner. Because that was the – they got to the Eastern Conference Final last year with Peter Morozik. Like, it's a team that is built to just drive play and annihilate teams in puck possession and then just hope that your goalies make the saves. Like, the minimal work they have to do, you hope they can do. Um so I think if you threw Laner in there, a guy who went from being the backbone of the Islanders last year to being the Haw- Hawks goalie, the Chicago hasn't played defense yet this year. Like they still haven't tried to play defense. And <laughs> they he, haven't like, tried it all. They not haven't once. tried it all. Like nobody's gone in the, their own defensive zone. But he still has like a pretty. He still has good goaltending numbers. So if you put that guy behind a team that just lives in the offensive zone, I think they would have been a bigger threat in the postseason. But I don't know. I. Even with all that said, if the, the Pesci injury isn't serious, I still think 
their their front 18, like all their skaters up front, is enough to carry a, a Reimer or Mrazek to where they got last year. I think they could. I'm not saying they will, but it will, I don't think it would blow my mind if they got back to that same point. That's just okay. my two cents. Uh, that's just your humble opinion. That's just my opinion. Uh, and then we'll talk about the uh, the three teams that didn't do much. Uh, probably the most, the team that isn't selling, but also, uh, it, you know, the Devin, the Columbus. Uh, they got Devin Shore from the Ducks for Sonny Milano. A little bit of an interesting trade. Sonny Milano already had a pretty good goal for the Ducks. Uh, and then they also dealt uh, winger Marcus Hanakainen to the Coyotes for a conditional 2027th. <laughs> How good do you think that feels getting traded for conditional seventh? That's pretty much like it's a. It's got to be yeah. a bad feeling. Yeah, that's like. Yeah. That's like. Well, we decided not to lay you off, but like <laughs> we you were the last guy we decided on. It was pretty close. We technically can't say this trade is for nothing, so we will say a conditional. Marcus Anakina to the Coyotes for straight up nothing would have been the same level of. But again, these trades aren't. They're not fucking anything. I mean, Columbus is what they are right now. They just kind of, kind of hope Merzlikens keeps on. Uh, Saving everything, which he didn't against the Flyers, which is kind of huge. Uh, but yeah, Rangers too. Also, their big move was just well, they traded away Shay, like we mentioned, and then they re-signed Kreider. Kreider for seven years, six point five million a year. I think that's fine now. Get a big. So put yourself in the scuzzy, scuzzy shoes of a Rangers fan. Oh, thank you. What do you think about not trading Kreider and signing him to a seven-year deal? All right, so if I'm the Ranger, if I'm a Rangers fan, honestly, I think I'm kind of happy this year because for a team that's supposed to be just flat out rebuilding, they're not they're not absolutely terrible this year. They can score at a fair clip. They produce offense at a pretty pretty good pace. They don't play defense at all, too. They're the only team that plays less defense than the Blackhawks, pretty much. Uh, and they have Adam Fox, who's going to be pretty good. And D'Angelo is good this year. It's mainly because he's producing. He's not that great. Uh, defensively, this team is still maybe not next season, but maybe next season, maybe two or three years, they can be really threatening. So I think keeping Kreider around, especially the year he's had and what he brings to the table as just a guy, a bigger guy that can that has speed and can make plays off the rush too. I think he he's going to have some useful years for the Rangers when they're actually competitive, but towards the end of that contract, I don't know. Like, I think the last couple of years in that contract could be the bad combo of he's not playing up to his value and he might be hurting the team. And also, the Rangers need a little bit of cap space to take those swings at the deadline to add the piece that puts them over the top. And I think his contract might be something that kind of hinders that. Now, luckily for the Rangers, they did this before the next lockout. So if that time comes, they, like, it may be long enough where they're going to get those useful years. He'll have one year where they're like, mm, I don't know. And then the the NHL have a lockout, and then you can buy out your your crappiest player. Maybe this will be it for him. So maybe they'll they'll get lucky. But if I was a Rangers fan, to get back to your point before I started going on that soliloquy, uh, I didn't mean to go off on a rant there. <laughs> I think he's I, I, I'm all right with it. I'm I will be I'm happy for the next couple of years, but I'm worried about the end of that contract. That's my statement. yeah yeah I I, I know Kreider's Kreider's an odd player because I think. There was definitely a period of time where you thought he was going to be hot shit. And then he's turned into a fine player, but I was a little surprised that he was the number one desired trade yeah. option at the deadline this year. And the contract's a little 
heftier than I thought would happen. But you know, at the same time, he, he's fine. He, he's he's a good player. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I mean, considering the other names that are out there, like looking at it now, I guess maybe I can see him being the most desirable ad at the deadline. But yeah, I. The thing with the Rangers, and I was saying it, we were saying it before the season was, you can see how they're going to be good in a couple of years, but I don't know if it's going to come to fruition this year. And pretty much that's what ha- I mean. Panarin's having a bonker season; he's on pace to score like 115 points. They're not even right, but a playoff spot. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, are they just going to waste Panarin's prime right here? Well, because they gave Panarin a huge contract. Yeah, and sure. frankly, I don't know, man. Like. It, it, by the time they're ready, by the time, you know, Capo Caco and all those guys are ready to go, is Panarin going to be past that prime? Oh, well, see, I think we're talking about, like, I think, I don't want to say next year. I think next year they might be more more of a concrete playoff team, but still have some flaws. But, like, two or three years from now, they could be, they could be knocking on the door of, like, coming out of the East. They could be. Um so, and I don't think Panarin's going to be past his prime then. I think that'll be enough time for Kako to kind of get acclimated with the league better. Uh, Sabinichad is still probably going to be killing it. And Adam Fox is only going to get better. So well, sure, I hope you're fucking I hope wrong. I hope I'm fucking wrong, too. Yeah, no, I believe me. I, I know. I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not looking good, though. They're, uh, uh, you know, maybe the bread man, as soon as he hits 30, that'll be it. Yeah, he's like, ah, fuck it, I'm done. Or he just gets like that 120-point season this year. He's like, wow, we didn't even make the playoffs. All right, let's do the Kovalchuk. You buy me out, and then we'll just, or you just terminate this contract, and I'll get out of here. And uh, speaking of the Devils, actually, speaking of the Kovalchuk, uh, they have their their season of playoff expectations and being dark horse in the East is keeps getting worse and worse by the day. Uh, they traded away Vatnin at the deadline. They also traded away Wayne Simmons to the Buffalo Sabers for a 2021 conditional fifth. Man. A conditional fifth for Wayne Simmons. Yeah. And it's not even like a, it's not even like nobody raised their eyebrows. It was just where he is right now. That's, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. It's <laughs> but, a shame to see. It sucks that the it, Flyers gave away more for Derek Grant. That's what I was going to say. I almost wonder if, you know, I mean, it certainly would have been fun for the fans to see Wayne train back here, especially if the Devils had kept like half the cap like they did for this deal. Because didn't they keep like a, half the cap hit? Oh, what for Simmons? Yeah. Oh, I don't even. I mean, probably. I might even. I might just be making that up. I have no idea. But I mean, it would have been fun to see him back here, even if he was just in a fourth line role. I mean, I saw maybe five minutes of the Sabres Avalanche game last night, and I saw Wayne Train uh, let out a pretty vintage uh, Wayne Simmons hit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I, I was. I saw. I watched a little bit of that too. It is still. It's just weird to see him not in a Flyers jersey now. Like it was yeah. like Preds, Devils, Sabres. It's all. It's all, it's all weird. Like, I don't even uh, care if he's just the guy who plays like, you know, like what Chris Stewart was doing at the beginning of the season. Like, oh I think God. we just got to put him back in the orange and black. And again, even if he's just not playing every night, I don't care, man. He's Wayne Simmons. He's Wayne fucking Simmons. <laughs> if that was if it was Wayne Simmons in the Chris Stewart role earlier this year, everybody would have been like, damn, man, but it's the train. Like, you know, just let him do what he wants to do. It's Wayne Simmons. Like, he's just, you know, let him do his thing. If he wants to just come in once every five games, beat the show of somebody, and then sit down, that's what he's going to do. He's Wayne Simmons. You do not want to fight Wayne Simmons. Yeah, TK said it. We all live it. Uh, and then uh, they also trade Louis Domingue to Vancouver for goalie Zane McIntyre. Uh, I remember McIntyre getting a lot of hype a bunch of years ago. 2010 six-round pick. 
few games with Boston a couple years back. That's where I think people thought he was going to break through. Uh, didn't happen. Just kind of floating around. I'm pretty sure this trade was only made beca- made because Markstrom got hurt and the uh, Canucks needed a goalie. And the Devils uh, aren't using their goalies. So they gave him Louis Domingue, which is a good pickup for them. But these may- trades were made after the Devils also traded away Taylor Hall, Blake Coleman, and Andy Green prior to the deadline. So let's see. I don't know. I'm surprised PK made it. Yeah, yeah, PK. I don't think PK. Man, I think PK is done. He's not having a great season. He's got married to Lindsey Vaughn, or he's already married to Lindsey Vaughn. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think he's already like, yeah, I'm, I'm checked out on hockey. I don't blame him. Like, get the hell out of it. <laughs> like, he's playing for the Devils, and it seems like life away from the sport is going pretty well. So, may as well just ride it out. But yeah, I, yeah, I, a little bit. But I mean, he, I, I, you'd think he'd still have some value though for a trade, and I, since they were already so. having a huge fire sale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd think so. I, I don't know. Uh, again, I, we thought William Simmons was going to have more last year, too. And then even this year, he, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they want to keep PK. Maybe they think he's the turning point on defense. He's not, but that would be a funny response from Devils and their fans. So that's uh, that's a lot of the, uh, that was what's happened with the division at the deadline. Right there. Right there. Flyers didn't do much. I'm fine with it. Uh, I still think they can be competitive. I really don't think if it comes down to a seven game playoff series, are you confident with the Flyers against any of the teams they could potentially face in the first round? Because I weirdly am uh, after like years of always being like no fucking chance. I kind of think they could make it interesting this year. I wouldn't rate it as confident, but I would say I think they could take them. I think they'd have, they have a chance against almost any team. In the East, I, I don't think they match up well with a couple teams, and I still, yeah, I don't love a lot of the potential matchups, and I, I really do wish that it was, uh, the old formatting, the one through eight formatting, where you know if they did get a little higher, they might have something that might match up a little oh, better, yeah, but yeah, it's still yeah. gonna have to be the fucking Capitals or Penguins probably, which is just <sighs> no, thank you. Get like over. every damn year, NHL, every damn year. <laughs> Capitals or Penguins every year. I am exhausted of it. Give me a weird matchup with the Sabres or the Canadiens or something odd. Because I just think back to the early 2000s, the Flyers' weird rivalry with the Sabres, the Flyers' weird rivalry with the Ottawa Senators. That was great stuff. And instead, it's just this forced rivalry, the uh, interdivision guys who they're going to have rivalries with anyway because they're in the division. We don't need to play them in the playoffs to drive that rivalry home. Yeah, honestly, I think the Flyers are just going to be the um, they're just going to be the victim of this uh, playoff format pretty much because I think one of the main reasons they're still keeping it together is because Penn's cap in the second round is always like the most interesting round. But don't you want the most interesting oh. round to be the Eastern Conference well, Finals? No, 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 you don't. Don't use logic. What I'm saying is they have one thing working right now at the league. And the league's like, well, this one thing's working. We can't, we can't touch anything else. We just got to keep. The hell it. wants the second round to be the most I, interesting it's, one? It's, I, it's, it's not. It's, it's bonkers. Not. Yeah, there. It's. I don't. But I think because when you're talking about the rivalries, I think they did. Well, they did this whole format because they wanted to get more rivalries going. But the only one that really is going on now is the consistent matchups between the Pens and the Cat. They're probably going to play again this postseason. Unless the Flyers or Islanders or Hurricanes have something to say about it, which, again, I think I know, and I'm sick of it. I'm yeah, sick yeah, of it. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, this is. I mean, 
not to brag about being an Orioles fan again, but this is pretty much every year with the Red Sox and Yankees in the same division. There's no point in playing baseball. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? It's the Yankees and Red Sox. They're always going to be. <laughs> let's steal some signs. Yeah, let's just do the, uh, yeah. That's how you beat the Yankees. You steal signs. <laughs> Bang on trash can. I, got gritty. I would love to see the Orioles try and do that. But they, I don't think they, because I, I think they would fail it in like comedic fashion. They would somehow mess it up. Like they would, we would, we would find out they did it like last year when they won like 60 games. Be like, oh, they were stealing signs. Like, were they? Because they still lost 100 games. Like it's still, they still fucked it up. <laughs> That would be, I think, the way the fall, or the, uh, the Orioles do it. But yeah, if I change, change the playoff format. I agree. I I, I think they they played the Penguins pretty well this season, and they played the Cavs pretty well this season. And I think, like, looking at the strengths and weaknesses, the thing with the Flyers is they don't really have a fatal flaw, I guess. Like, the power play could be a little better. Power play is annoying every once in a while. You know what their fatal flaw is? Playing on the road. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be. So I guess they're never gonna have the first round because they're just gonna lose in seven. It's gonna be nothing but like five nothing games, and they're every team's gonna win at home. That's the entire series. <laughs> that really is. Yeah, I guess that is their fatal flaw is just playing on the road, which they've gotten a little better at. Been okay recently. Haven't had any any real clunkers away from the Wells Fargo Center, but you know, uh, yeah, knock on wood. And speaking of playing away from the Wells Fargo Center, oh, that was a good one. Uh, Shane Gosper uh, had his rehab stint in Lehigh Valley last weekend, played two games, totaling one assist, five shots on goal, and a minus one rating. Now, I was told this whole thing was uh, an elaborate setup to get Shane to not be at the Flyers' Wives Carnival. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. That's what you heard. <laughs> okay. Real conspiracy theory that's 100% accurate. <laughs> that really, have you actually seen that? I feel like you have. That's got to be a thing that was thrown out. I, I'll just put it this way: I wouldn't just make it up. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that's true. You wouldn't just make because that's up. that's even yeah, too that's crazy true. for my demented mind to make up. Yeah, it's like a jo- like as a joke conspiracy theory. That's too far. <laughs> Somebody out there with it. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that's why they don't want any fisticuffs between Ghost and a fan. So uh, he's now been recalled though, uh, and I was reading uh, Dave Isaac's piece on him. So. This one quote is from there, so please go and read Dave Isaac's article so we uh, don't get yelled at. Uh, so via Ghost in Dave's article, he says, quote, just going through something that makes you the kind of player you are, your skating ability and whatnot, and dealing with something that you think you had under control in the summer, and you go right back in the season and you tweak it, it sucks. The big positive is I got that done and I dealt with the ups and downs of it. I feel really good right now. That's the big key about it. So last year in a game against the Avs in October – of 2018 i think got uh tweaked his knee apparently it was a thing that kind of hindered his play all year long made note of it at the end of the season nobody brought up during the season goes trans all summer apparently messed it up again early in training camp and have been playing through that again this year it sounds like so hopefully when he comes back we'll see a little bit different of a ghost but i I still want to see i still have to see it first because it's been a minute since it's been a minute yeah and i've seen a good ghost as we've said with Ghost on the show before, he's one of those guys that when he's great, he is truly awesome. But when something's off, something's wrong, oh, it's it's not pretty. I 
yeah either that, that confidence is off or there's an injury like or both which is probably what's happening what was happening for most of this season and last season uh when something's off man it's it's no bueno yeah and no yeah i think you're i think it is the combo because his game is mobility it's all based on mobility it's all based on that shimmy at the blue line it's all based on anticipating passes in the neutral and defensive zone and I think if you have a messed up knee, that kind of hurts your confidence in what you can and can't do. It's not like Ghost can fall back on being a physical shutdown defenseman if he doesn't have his mobility. It's not like he can quarterback a power play effectively if that knee is messed up or not. And this isn't an excuse. We haven't fucking seen it for a year and a half. I'm not going to sit here and keep making excuses for him, but I think it plays a role into it. I will. And, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think Ghost, too, is the player on the team that wears his confidence on his sleeve the most that's not a saying but you know what i'm saying like he you can tell when he's playing with confidence or when he's not feeling it like i, I oh yeah like you can definitely tell when it's he's the go shimmy yeah and yeah we haven't really i we i think we've seen like three this year they haven't resulted in anything and they're very separated in times it's happened but uh used to be like an every game thing Used to be like once a game you'd have one player who just like I don't know what that was, but it was it was a work of art. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So hopefully, hopefully he comes back now and uh, gets back. I in think the he neck. needs. I think what Shane Gostaspare needs is he needs to rollerblade with Elaine Vigneault at sunset and just just <laughs> rediscover his love for the game of hockey and. Connect with AV on a Gordon Bombayian level. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to tell somebody that you saw Shane Gossifier and AV rollerblading through the streets of Philadelphia? Like just telling your buddy after you go back to work, you're like I just saw AV and Ghost. They were rollerblading outside, and they're like, "All right, did you drink all the liquor at lunch, or what happened? <laughs> <laughs> did you get fucked up at lunch?" Uh, yeah, so hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets back in there because that Hag Braun pairing uh, still not a fan. Still. They did great on Saturday, but I didn't watch on Saturday. So to me, that game didn't happen. Um, <laughs> Doesn't exist. Not real. <laughs> it's a thrilling pair, and they had uh, about 60 or so hits in the, the last game they had together. So, Ooh. I mean, you didn't see most of them, but they happened. They were there. Yeah, they were there. As the puck was off the screen, they were nudging people. So, uh, But speaking of those games, and we'll, we'll talk about the hag, uh, hag pairings in all these games. They want to run through the... Uh, Run through the gamut of numbers here. Talk about these games real quick. I don't know what we're going to talk about for each one, but the, uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go through. Four to three overtime win over Columbus in Columbus on Thursday. Uh, Drew and your boy Gavrikov had a game high eight shot attempts in all situations. I just love Gavrikov. Yeah, I just want to talk about Vladislav Gavrikov, aka top shelf name. I mean, it's right up there. You know, you know what it is? I just figured out why I like that name so much. It reminds me of Yakov Smirnov. That so that's a good angle. Also, it, it somehow those that rhymes. His entire Vladislav Gavrikov. Like why? How does that even happen? But uh, top six uh, did pretty well, even though they got scored three at one and five and five. Uh, that first period was one of the weirdest first periods I think I, I can remember. Uh, Bjorkstrand had the goal forty-one seconds in. Puck got stuck in the net. Literally nobody knew it went in. Uh, and then about a minute later, everybody started celebrating. Uh, Nick Foligno bedazzled the Jesus out of Brian Elliott on that one goal. I don't know what that was. It went between the legs with a shot. And then 
23 seconds after that, Konechny had the puck off his skating in, and all of a sudden nobody knew where the puck was. So I don't remember – I know one time I remember the disappearing puck act. I don't remember happening twice in the game. And I don't remember the last time it happened with the Flyers outside of, the, you know, the goal that shall not be talked about, I guess. Um, and then the, uh, the Hag Freeman defense. 36 shot, shot times four percentage, 29.1 expected goals, four percentage, and we're on the, uh, on the ice for a goal against in 15-25 uh, of work. They both didn't look great on the Stefan Matteo goal. Mark Freeman really didn't look great on the Stefan Matteo goal. But, you know, Matteo! Matteo! Matteo, he's in front of the net. Uh, Konechny, three points, one goal, two assists for back-to-back three-point games against Columbus. Also, he yelled at David Savard in hilarious fashion after Hayes scored an overtime winner. Uh, I'm pretty sure he just said, fuck you, Savard. So that's, you know, it's a classic. Uh, Hayes, two points. Second overtime winner of the season. He also had the overtime winner in Anaheim back on December 29th. Nice give and go with connecting the neutral zone, set up the chance. Uh, and then Felino and Savard just decided to give him a ton of space. ton of space on that rush up. Uh, and then the other two talking points were... First of all, let's, let's talk about Sandheim. Let's talk about Sandheim getting taken to the ground by Nathan Gerby. I didn't even look up the height difference here. It doesn't Ooh, matter. That was, that it was, was uh, embarrassing. Yeah. Also, it was embarrassing. It also, was just like it was like a little kid taken down like a full-grown man. Yeah. Also, as as a tall dude, a guy, a guy that's been tall his entire life, and having to deal with you know all these short guys that have Napoleon complexes, just never take that fight. You're, you're not you're not going to come out on top. Either you got. You're going to get embarrassed by a small guy or you beat up a small guy. There's no. There's you don't no look like benefit. a hero when you do yeah, that. Yeah, like when you clock a five foot four guy and everybody's like, oh, don't touch Travis Sanheim. They're going to be like, you have a foot on him. What are you doing? Like, this is borderline child abuse. Just let him be. So <laughs> that's child abuse. <laughs> that's, 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 he'll learn. Uh, Sanheim will learn, though. But, and also, more importantly, well, not more importantly, uh, but the power play goal that Drew scored is the shit I was talking about all last week and the last couple of weeks. Win the faceoff, uh, connecting to Couture in the left corner below the goal line. Savard and um, Boone Jenner both drop to their knees because the guys below the goal line, he starts walking around to the other side of the net because they don't know what to do. Couture sets up Drew for a one-timer that he blasts home to tie up the game. Below the goal line plays on the power play. Teams can barely handle them at 5-on-5. Five five. You take away a defender, it's going to be all hell and ice. That's, I want to see more of that. And then against the Sharks, they had a bunch of quick passing to set up uh, NAK's goal. So the power plays looked all right lately. They've been doing some more puck movement and the uh, blow the goal line stuff and the little wrinkles that have been working. So I, I, I like it. I like it. Um, Winnipeg game, yeah, I didn't watch. I know Lawton had a ridiculous game. Um, Two-goal game, uh, first multi-goal game of the season and fifth of career. He's had all two-goal games, still looking for that sweet, sweet HD. First since a five-to-four overtime win over the Coyotes on November eighteenth, November eighth, twenty eighteen. That was Ghost OT winner, and also the game where Arizona scored two shorthanded goals on the same penalty kill. So what a game! Uh, and now he has twelve goals this season, his career high for a single season, matching last year where he scored twelve in eighty-two games. So only played in forty-three games this season. Um, you know the Flyers don't have 39 games left, but he still has plenty of time to get a goal. And uh, he's played pretty well this season, as we were just talking. I think he this should be the season he gets to at least 13, if not 15 or 25. Uh, the Hag Brown pair 
for this game. Uh, 44.44 shot attempts, 4 percentage, 68.98 expected goals, 4 percentage. Very close to being a nice expected goals, 4 percentage, and a plus 2 goal differential in 14.36 at 5 on 5. Braun also had three helpers. Second three assist game of the season. Had three assists in the 6-2 win over the Panthers a couple weeks ago. Also, had two. it makes for two three-assist games in the Flyers' last five games. And then the win over the Sharks. Yeah, I mean, it was the – for a while, the, the, this win was just the Flyers have more talent on the roster right now than the Sharks. They look like – the Flyers look like crap for the first half of this game. Uh, the only line that was playing well was Drew Katori Voracek. The bottom nine, which I don't think is a term that's ever been used or will be used again, really didn't do much. Uh, and then Lawton Hayes Konechny decided to start scoring all the goals. So they had three goals as a unit. Um, they had a 64 shot attempts, 4 percentage, 65, 173 expected goals, 4 percentage. Uh, first goal was a great pass from Lawton. Lawton made the play uh, at the Flyers' blue line. He started knocking the puck away from Burns, eventually got the puck in the neutral zone, set up Hayes for the pass. It was a great pass. It, it was a yeah, it was a pretty good play all around. Also, Hayes reach like being a tall dude. He's no Nathan Gerby, so he's able to reach back and he was able to get a puck that was a little bit behind him and reach back and crack it in. Uh, second, Hayes play, is the man. Like I, I just need to come out and say this. Like Hayes is the we, man, and well, I can't believe how much yeah. I, I really enjoy watching him play, especially when he's he's clicking on all cylinders. Like he's this. a lot of fun. I think he's a big reason why a lot of people like the team a lot this season. He's he's good. Uh, he's very entertaining to watch and he's good while he's entertaining and also he's just got a good personality off the ice. So it's kind of well, hard to think Kevin Hayes. So the big thing that I think Kevin Hayes is doing that is really I think making this team as successful as they've been this year is he is just that solid, exactly what they signed him for to be that solid number two yeah, yeah. center yeah. Uh, to be that guy who you can you can stack it with Couturier and then Hayes and then you know, figure out the bottom six, but to have the, that legitimate, you know, top, top six like that, I think is a huge difference maker. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's what a, so, so far it's been a pretty good signing. Again, we'll have to wait for those last couple of years, but this year he's been, he's been worth the money. Um, connected three points again, third three point game in four game span. He's got 10 points in the last five games. Now six, three point games on the season. So connected he's doing all right. Hayes, a uh, second multi-point game in three-game span. Six points, four of which are goals over the last four games. Third three-point game of the season. Seventh multi-point game of the season. And then Lawton, back-to-back multi-point games. He's now at five on the season. And I also just enjoyed, um, you know, Heather from the site always takes great shots. And uh, after the second period, the three she sent to Brad the tweet out were um, – we're just all the goals from that line and Lawton is in every pick and just not fucking happy at all about the Flyers going like everybody else like pumped they're all like waving Lawton just has like this straight face like it looks like he's showing up to work on a Tuesday morning like he just doesn't fucking care just mail he's like yep I guess we're scoring goals I don't know where's the bench not even hump day yet yeah he's like I need a Gatorade I'm tired of this shit so uh, Hag Braun for that pair. 30.43 shot attempts, 4 percentage. 21.72 expected goals, 4 percentage. On the ice for two goals against. Um, and looking at the other goals in that game, talked about the NAK filled in for Farabee on the second power play unit. Naturally scores the first time the power play goes out there. JVR got a rebound. 
pretty good vision to set up NK for the wide open net. Joel Kelman puts home a pretty bad rebound from Hart, uh, and you know, I was just dunking on Hag, but really there wasn't much he could do there. He was in front of the net, rebound went past him, and he wasn't able to block the shot. He was just kind of left in a bad position. So, uh, and then the the Sharks' second goal, Drew just botched a backhanded clear that went right to a Shark who set up Noah Gregor for a one timer to make it four to two. So those were the uh, those were the games, Steve. I'm excited to talk about this next one. I'm excited. Are you? Are you? I, I mean, so you know. We got to talk about why the Leafs suck this week. We got to talk about the Leafs sucking because they lost to a fucking 42-year-old Zamboni driver, and now they want the league to change the rules for them. That's what the <laughs> Leafs are doing. They're fuck, They're pissing their season away, and then this guy that hasn't played in the NHL and apparently was eating a Reuben in the stands, they were like, hey, can you like be a goalie for us? And he was like, yeah, sure, I don't fuck it. And then he goes in that, and he beats the Maple Leafs, and now the league's like, oh, we've got to change the rules. Do you? He's this legitimately he, sounds like a dream that that somebody's had. Like <laughs> you're eating a Reuben in the stands and then you the win the game. Like, that, was that's, the... <laughs> that sounds like a dream, like a dream sequence, like yeah. maybe even a Homer Simpson dream sequence. <laughs> just sitting at a Flyers game, just eating some fucking crab fries. Some guys tapping on his shoulders like you've been called. You're in. <laughs> Look, Hag went down. We know he can barely skate, but he can't either. Just get in there, right? But I... I'm I, six beers. <laughs> That's hilarious. Here are your skates. Get out there. <laughs> oh, boy. That was bad. All right. I want to... Okay, so let's draw out this entire situation for those who haven't seen or read it and are going to live through it the first time right here. So, Hurricanes played the Maple Leafs in Toronto on Saturday night. James Ryan was the starter, left 6-10 into the game after Jacob Slavin collided into him because he was pushed into Reimer by Zach Hyman. So he leaves. Back with goalie Peter Morozik goes goes in, uh, collides with Kyle Clifford racing for a puck with 8.41 left in the second period. So now he's out. Ooh. The Leafs were down 3-1 to one at this time, 28 minutes and 41 seconds to go. Uh, and the Hurricanes call in... David Ayers, I believe that's how you say his name. I haven't watched actual video on this guy. I've just been reading the articles and watched the, the gifts of saves and stuff. So, who is a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who currently resurfaces the ice at the old Maple Leafs Garden, which I believe, uh, Gardens, which is, I believe, where the Marley still play. And, like, they still, it's still an active arena. So, he's, you know, and when the, the Maple Leafs need a third goalie to fill in at practice, at times, they call on this guy. They call on Ayers. So he goes in, goes in to play 28-41 of a game, uh, lets in two goals on three shots against in the um, 8-41 left in the second, but then stopped all seven shots he saw in the third period. And now he, to help the Hurricanes win 6-3, to he's now the oldest player to win in his NHL debut. And also, the league apparently at the general manager's meetings next week is now going to look at the rules that go into emergency backup goalies. Oh and my God. Like, okay. Why? This is Number a great one, story. This is a great story. This is one of the best NHL stories I've heard in a long time. And it, it's just, it's great. Like this guy who was eating a Reuben in the stands, she said, just <laughs> got a chance to win an NHL game and NHL is a legend in Carolina for playing a period and a half of hockey. Yeah. And I, it's annoying because if it wasn't the Leafs, like if it wasn't the, the franchise of the league that hasn't won a cup in over 50 years that we had to always coddle, like we wouldn't be, there would be no discussion. 
the league, Garbett would be like, okay, we could score some goals on a 4 year old Zamboni driver. You know what I mean? Like, give or take. You have Matthews and Nylander on the roster. Uh, fucking score some goals. Like, that would have been my argument to them being like, I don't know if it's fair that the 42-year-old guy was able to step in because he's had a couple practices against us, so he knows he knows what to do because, you know, he's definitely a real athlete as a 42-year-old Zamboni driver. You know what I mean? So, like, the, this is, like, one of the things in sports. I don't know. It's a great... It's a great angle to just like incredible stories that I don't think a lot of sports have. And it's not a thing that happens a ton. It situations come up where like, oh, we might get like an emergency backup goal, an e-bug here, but then it never really comes to fruition. It's always right. just it, the starting It's hurt. an emergency measure for a reason. Yeah. Like and it's it's happened a couple times. So the other times I, I remember were uh, Scott Foster was the one that did it most recently. He came in and played for the Hawks against the Jets uh, March of 2018, made seven saves. Did pretty good. Back in uh, – and then two other times back in the summer of 2016, one happened in Philly, uh, Flyers-Blackhawks uh, matinee game on the weekend. Corey Crawford had an emergency appendectomy. Scott Darling started. Uh, Temple's own Eric Borski rode the bench. Didn't actually play, but he suited up. And then also uh, the Hurricanes again needed to rely on an e-bug uh, in December of 2016. They dressed equipment manager Jorge Alves and let him play the final eight seconds in the 3-1 to loss to the Lightning. So it happens every once in a... Like, these... Only one other guy really played. It happened one other time in recent history. Uh, and that's... Like, it's not a thing that you need to go and readjust the rules for. Also, if your team that was anticipated to win the Cup this year just fucking beat a guy that's not in any professional league, maybe we don't have to adjust the rules. You know maybe what I mean? just shoot high on him because, yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, he was sitting in the stands eating a Reuben. Try, try, try a screen or like a breakaway. Try a slap shot. I doubt the 42-year-old is going to be able to flash some leather on like a 95-mile-per-hour shot. I don't know. You I'll have Austin Matthews. You have John Tavares. You have <laughs> Mitch Marner. Like, any one of those three guys should be able to beat a rec league goalie, let alone a Zamboni driver who is 42 years old. But man, like this is a great story. Number one, because the Leafs suck and they got dunked on, but it's more a great story just because like this dude to come in there in that situation, play well and get the win. And just again, become a legend in Carolina overnight. Like they love this guy. They were selling jerseys for this guy. Like (laughs) (laughs) you're going to see airs jerseys like for years now. And it's always going to be like, Oh, that was the emergency goalie. Right. For that one game. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Just an incredible story. I, I also, it's a legend. It's a legend. What will they change? What are they proposing to change the rule to? I don't, I have, no idea what because they... can you really keep three goalies on the roster at all times well no that's the whole thing and like these like the emergency goalie situations are all they're already kind of i believe they're already set up like eric saborski or Ayers were not like it wasn't like they sent out like a attention everybody in the arena uh does anybody want to play goalie like i don't think it happened like that like, they already is con- there a doctor I... in the house <laughs> yeah yeah they're kind of like they already like I think he's supposed to be in the arena for like home games or like, so like, you know, or it's... like you got a rock band up there and you're like, who knows this song? <laughs> didn't the, uh, Oh my God. The, 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 who did that? Didn't they? Didn't Keith moon, like fucking Keith moon OD or something. Got a little too, uh, a little too giddy before a show. And then they had a fan come on and drum a couple songs. Probably. Probably. That seems... I don't know. 
You know, yeah, I, I don't know offhand, and I do love the Who. I'm I'm not sure offhand. Oh, well, we should, we should just reach out to John Entwistle and see if he can uh, help us out with that. See what he's doing. I haven't heard much from that guy lately, but didn't that, he die? That's a reference. That was like one of the first things we talked about ever on this podcast. Jesus, <laughs> like what? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, so I thought the Hurricanes just. I thought they were phenomenal through the whole thing too, because they seemed like after he came into the locker room after when they all like sprayed him, like sprayed him down, and uh, I think Rod, like Brennan Moore was Rod the Bow was just like, yeah, just you know, just, just take it easy, go make a save or two, and we're fine. And like after he gave up the goals, you could see a bunch of the Hurricanes come over and like hit him on the pads, being like, it's all right, we got this. Yeah, like it was cool. Like I, I this is one of the best NHL stories in a long time. Yeah, and. The league, of course, just because Toronto got embarrassed. Oh, the poor Maple Leafs. You know what? Buck up and win a cup, you jerks. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, if... I think the part of it, too, is, like, hockey is... You know, a story like this may not go that far. But, like, if the NFL, if like, the three quarterbacks went down and he had, like, an emergency quarterback situation, this would be... Nobody would stop talking about this story forever. It would be huge, but... I was thinking of the, uh, you remember the, a couple of years ago, the Eagles had to have Brent Selleck snap a couple long snaps. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember one of those games where just everybody and their mother was hurt recently. I think there was a, a similar scenario where they were like, one of the wide receivers would be the emergency quarterback. Oh, it was uh, the one where um, oh, McCown had to come in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, this Eagles season was nuts. <laughs> It was nuts. I'm hoping for less injuries next year. That might just be me, but for me, I'm hoping the Eagles get next less uh, injuries next year. In my opinion, a team with less injuries will be more just, successful. Just well, you know, I don't mean the, you know. Uh, all right, you, Steve, you want me to uh, get this game going? Finally, got a game. It's been the first time in a while I've got a game for you. Let's do it. All right, I'm pulling them up on my phone right now because my computer doesn't like working two pages at once on the podcast. But it's uh, since the Flyers have a home and home with the Rangers coming up, I was going to ask you a uh, couple questions about New York. And uh, I want to, Steve, I also want to tell you that this game is being brought to us by uh, Rolex. So, Rolex. We're all watching the seconds tick away in our meaningless lives before we're buried in the ground for the rest of eternity. So, why not count them down in style with a nice Rolex watch? Rolex, step up your watch game, baby. All right. So, Steve, you ready? Here's the first one. Some question. dark shit, my friend. Some dark <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, Question number one. The New York Mets are still paying this former major leaguer $1.2 million a year until the year 2035. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. That is correct. Man, that is that's a lot of money. I always, every couple of years, I forget about it. And then I'm like, is that contract still going on? And then I always forget it's 2035. So I'm going to have fun in like 2026 looking this up and be like, oh, yeah, they still got. <laughs> All right. So one for one. Number two. In 2014, this defenseman beat Henrik Lundqvist in double overtime of Game 5 before the netminder sunk into the ice and then waved away his teammates as he slowly realized he would die without winning a cup. <laughs> Jesus! I should have not used the Rolex. I should have just made that, though, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he... Unless he gets traded like soon, I don't think it's happening, right? He's, he wasted his whole career in New York, yeah? Slowly. <laughs> just sinks into the ice. I'll never forget that. It looked like he just had his face, you know, just face right in the ice, realizing that was it. That was the closest me, Dan Girardi, and the boys were going to get the win at all. And uh, I'm out now. So, uh, yeah, he scored that game when it goal. <laughs> Dan Girardi and the boys. 
Oh my god. So, uh, okay, okay. That was the Kings. It right? was, yeah. If you need and a hint, I can give you one. It was not former flyer Drew Doughty. It was not former flyer Drew Doughty. Uh, was he traded recently or on the trade block? Mm-hmm. And it's not Alex, but Alec Martinez? That is correct. And he also there we got go. the spelling correct. So thank you for getting the spelling correct. All right, so you're two for two. Uh, number three. When was the last time the New York Knicks had a winning record? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, man. Uh, who the, the Sixers beat tonight, the New York Knicks. Oh, yeah? The Sixers without their, their top two players beat the, the Knicks. Because <laughs> the Knicks right. fucking suck. They're not good. Uh, but they were good this year, which I will tell you once you take a guess. I have no clue. It was so semi-recent. Gonna... I'll say that. Okay. I don't know if that helps, but I will say it. It doesn't help at all. Uh, it just <laughs> lets me know that it happened before the year or after the year 2000. So that's yeah, in the yeah. year 2000. I'll say it's even sooner than it was more recent than 2010. I'll tell you that too. I I I figured when you said it was recent. Um, I'm just gonna go with 2013. I have no idea. So which 2013? Like. <sighs> 2012 like, 13. Yep, 2012 2013. They went. Is that right? 54 and 28. There you go. <laughs> I pulled that one right out of my ass. Well, there you go. It keeps the perfect game alive. So three for three. Uh, and number four, I think he'll get this one. I'm going to throw it away, though. Uh, in the summer of 2018, this pajama boy flipped the double birds of Long Island and headed home to the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> pajama boy. <laughs> I think I just said his name a few minutes ago. Uh, you, I think you did. And you did. That's four for four, Steve. All right. So this this might actually, uh, you know, trick you up, but it is worth asking because it's still uh, in an effort to make fun of New York. How many times did Eli Manning lead the league in touchdown passes over the 14 years she started? This is according to Wikipedia, by the way. So Ooh. all you Giants fans out there, don't come harass me when Wikipedia wasn't right. <laughs> I'm going to go with zero. Uh, zero is correct. Follow-up question, Steve, and to keep it going. How many times did he lead the league in picks? I'm going to say three. Three times. Was uh, it three? 2007, yes. 2010, and 2013. Steve, perfect game. Perfect game. And I mean... I can't believe I got that three right. I just knew it happened I, at least twice. Because... You had to pull two answers. Well, technically three. You had a lot of confidence. Alec Martinez was a tough one. And, well, I was going to uh, say the Knicks one. <laughs> the, Knicks the Knicks one. The Knicks one was pure luck. Uh, Eli Manning, I knew he never led the league in touchdowns. Absolutely because not. Yeah. I think I would remember that because it, I would I would actually even consider supporting an Eli Manning Hall of Fame bid if he at least had done that once or come close once. No, yeah. no. No, oh, no, he's gonna get he's gonna get pushed in because you know two catches in Super Bowls and he had a pretty good defensive line. You know it's whatever. I'm not. And he finished 500. You know, it's... <laughs> like most winning quarterbacks finish with a 500 record. Yeah, it's a it's a sign of a quarterback that has staying power. So, yeah. All right, now we're on to uh, now we got the batch update. Now we got around the league, so you guys kind of know where the show's heading. But let's do the batch update. See you ready. So ready for the batch update. And uh, hopefully there's no more upsetting facts about people not knowing uh, popular Chinese food this week. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there is, but we'll, uh, we'll find out in the, uh, in the BU. So quote, 
Fantasy Sweet Week starts with a conversation between Madison and Pilot Pete shortly after last weekend's rose ceremony in the airport hangar. Fantasy Sweet Week, being the week where Pete and each of the contestants decide if they want to spend the night together, prompts Madison to tell Pete she'd have trouble moving forward if he sleeps with the other contestants. On The Bachelor. On The Bachelor. Seems like a hard sell. Uh, she fails to mention that she's saving herself from marriage. This is a real conundrum because Pete obviously loves Madison the most of the final three, but he also desperately wants to bone, boink, bong, shag, make love. <laughs> toss the sheets, flip the burgers, crane the corn, get it all in Smash Crew. These were all yeah, we had to explain a little. I gotta say, well, let's make note that these the batch updates again for people who are not familiar with the process. Uh, Craig's brother, <laughs> my brother Ian, sends them in. I do want to say, flip the burgers, crane the corn. Those are two I, I might work in the podcast from here on out. Crane the corn is that's it's gross, suggestive, and I like it. So it, it is, it is. I'm it's, gonna read them like Doc Emmerich real quick because I really want to. By, by all means, please do. Yeah. This is a conundrum because Pete obviously loves Madison the most of the final three, but he also desperately wants to bone, boink, bonk, shag, make love, toss the sheets, flip the burgers, cream the corn, get it on, smash, and screw. <laughs> the Back to you, Edzo. The inquisitive toss the sheets you threw out there. <laughs> toss the sheets? <laughs> that was <laughs> And I, I also love that your brother's written tough sledding, Pete right here tough sled just a little subjective yeah tough sled pete so madison leaves the conversation by saying quote actions speak louder than words period end quote and boy do they again and by action she means boink bone bonk <laughs> shag make love toss the sheets flip the burgers cream the corn get it on smash and screw i will i do have to say there's nothing there's nothing wrong with madison's you know uh idea of staying saving yourself from marriage and all that stuff but to go on the bachelor and be like mm, don't touch any of these other women you're all mine i'd be like oh, i don't this is the bachelor you know like time and place i guess like it feels don't have little... sex on this show known for people having sex yeah it'd be like you know somebody goes on uh that's like uh, telling somebody to go to wing bowl and not be a disgusting piece of shit <laughs> Better than the announcement. I was gonna. I was trying to think of any cooking show. Literally, any you know, cooking show. That'd you be can like, Don't cook anything. You can go to Wing Bowl, but you can't be a disgusting piece of shit. <laughs> That's why they closed it down. That, that was it. That right there. I believe uh, it was the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, but it should have been for everybody being a piece of shit. Yeah, this, you would have thought somebody in the nineties would have been like, "All right, this is too much," right? But I guess not. Um, next, next blurb here. Uh, the whole crew flies down under to Australia, and Pete's first date is with Hannah Ann. They both hop. Uh, they both hop on some jet skis and tear it up. Maybe it's the jet lag, but Hannah Ann looks bored AF. And After, the jet skis? I I don't know. I again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the jet lag. I don't know how you can be bored on jet skis, but jet skis. <laughs> After they have a conversation on the beach. The producers didn't do a good job of miking the convo because all you hear is the waves slapping against the shore. <laughs> Later, they go. I like the subjective ad as well. Uh, later, they go to dinner, and Hannah Ann tells Pete that she's cool if he fucks everybody left. She just wants to be with him at the end. They go to the fantasy suite, eat some cake in a hot tub, and then blink. So, there you go. So, uh, Hannah Ann goes. So, just use some approach. protection, and, you know, we're good to go. Yeah. Just gonna or don't. Whatever. It's The Bachelor. <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I think there are no rules, you know, going off of uh, the Outback saying no rules, just right on the Bachelor is, the, I think, the motto they go by. So, And the uh, thing is, going back to the, the first lady here, uh, Madison, Madison here, yeah. uh, she's talking, isn't Pilot Pete Mr. Windmill Sex? 
She's Mr. asking Mr. Sex, windmill yeah. sex to yeah. not have more windmill sex, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, want to put, put it past the uh, matter to say something like that. But so, uh, okay. Next one. <laughs> On the next date. That's a, that's an ah! joke. <laughs> On the next date, Pete and Victoria F. Take a helicopter over Australia's outback and look at a bunch of trees, waterfalls, and wildlife. Pete mentions that the only problem in their relationship is communication, but he doesn't seem too concerned about it. The two shag pretty dumb, and he only cares about shagging, boinking, (laughs) making love, tossing the sheets, flipping the burgers, creaming the corn, getting it on, smashing, and screwing. Flipping the burgers. The two shag and look very satisfied the morning after. So it looks like again. I haven't seen any footage. I don't really know what these fucking dorks look like. It sounds no like idea. Victoria F. and the uh, the other one, Hannah Ann, have the inside edge right here. Not because of Madison's, I guess, lifestyle. Well, it is mainly because of her lifestyle. They're in it for the boinking. The yeah, they're smashing, in it for the boinking. It's a tough Flipping yeah. the burgers. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, Grilling finally, the hot dogs. <laughs> finally, Pete goes on a date with Madison. During the day, they go to the top of a tall building and then climb to the top. Uh, apparently, this is a thing you can do. Later, they have dinner. And Madison tells Pete that she's a virgin. Oh, she's wow. asked Pete if he was intimate with the other two contestants. And he says, quote, yeah, we smashed. I and hope quote, that is a verbatim quote. I right hope there. that is, too, because I put it as a verbatim. We'll, fi- we'll find out eventually. We'll get some diehard Bachelor fans letting us know. And Madison has a tough time with this. The two have a pretty serious conversation. And there are a couple of kangaroos in the background intensely watching the drama unfold. Excellent, <laughs> excellent film work by ABC. Madison decides to leave the show. <laughs> so, uh, after admitting she... before a crowd of, I, I guess, millions watch this show, that she is a virgin. That's, uh, I Not mean, that there's anything wrong with that. You do you. You do you. Yeah. But you're also on The Bachelor. Again, yeah, it would be, you know, if I was going to go to a steak eating contest, I'd be like, you guys want to just eat salads instead? Like, that would be a misplaced. There's, it's weird <laughs> parameters of, like, you know, just know what you're doing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> boxing match. You guys just want to talk it out. I mean, we can work it out. I don't know. Uh, that was the bad show. You show up for a, a poker tournament. And you're like, I thought we we're just gonna play go fish. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. That. Or no, you're like, oh, I thought we were playing for pretzel sticks, not real money. <laughs> Everybody's looking at their two cars, sunglasses on. And you're just like, do you have a seven? What are we doing? Is this no war? <laughs> bad. If they look. If ESPN the Ocho starts putting war on, like the car game war, not like war war. They start, they putting... start showing world wars, it's the history channel. That is that is true. And very nice. But if ESPN the Ocho did play war, I think I'd watch a little bit of it. I watched like five minutes and be like, Well, wow, this is really on TV, huh? And then I'd probably tune off. Yeah. And also, by the way, to be the history channel, they'd also have to start showing really weird like alien abduction like things. Because <laughs> that's what the history channel is now. That yeah, uh, actual it's history of that guy, the guy. That's dads involved. and conspiracy nuts, you know. That's <laughs> and uh, especially for dads that happen to also be conspiracy nuts. So, all right. So this Madison girl, the Madison lady, she doesn't, she doesn't sound like she's really uh with the program. Are we already down to just? She uh, is. She's not with the. She is gone from the program now. Are I, we already down to two people left? There's no way. There's only. We only got a month and a half of this goddamn show. We're only going to get two months of batch updates. Is this right? Am I hearing this right? I don't know what the hell we're going to do. I don't know. Maybe I guess we'll, we could talk about hockey. I but like the whole show though, it's like God. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I got to hear about. Got to hear about this whole. I, I got no joke to make. 
Let's do a rock one. I got nothing. Go around the league uh, and call it a around the league. Check it out. Uh, Alex Ovechkin became the eighth player to break 700 goals in the NHL uh, ever. He now has 701, and he's now seven behind Mike Gardner, who is seventh. So he's going to be sixth or uh, seventh pretty soon. Would it take him like uh, two months to get from 698 to 700? I he, he from yeah from 600 to 700 was it just flew by. It was insane. Um, and also speaking of the Caps, John Carlson. Oh no, no, I was talking about how long it took him to get from 698 to 700. Oh, because no, it felt like a, every game, especially yeah. from when he played the Flyers, and everybody's like, he's definitely getting two goals against the Flyers. To get oh 700. yeah, that is true. Yeah, it did take forever. Yeah, it was at least two weeks. I don't know, and he was tearing it up. Right, it, it must have gotten to him because he scored like ten goals in the five games before that. He was on a tear. Uh, I think he had hag hysteria. Ooh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Get... Bobby H getting in his head. <laughs> oh, so I, I got to do this before I play Hag. I can't. I know I'm not going to score against him. Hey, uh, brother, the Hag hitmen are coming for you, Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> Where you go? But, yeah, let's do that reference again. <laughs> Body bag Hag, gonna get a piece of you, Ov. <laughs> John Carlson recorded his 475th point to pass Kyle Johansson. It's the highest-scoring Caps defenseman in club history. Uh, Evgeny Malkin became the third Penguin to play 900 games or more for Pittsburgh. Only Crosby, who has 977, is ahead of him, and Lemieux is second with 916, so he will most likely pass Lemieux, and then Crosby and Lemieux will be the most played uh, players in Penguins history. So, yeah. congrats, uh, on, congrats to Malkin on becoming the ugliest Penguin to play the most games. Yeah, it's quite an accomplishment. Also... Props to these two for staying in the lead for this song on Strictly a Diet of uh, Fries and Coleslaw. So it's pretty impressive. Jake Muzzin I can't believe stays. they've done it. I can't I, believe it. Me neither, yeah. Jake Muzzin stays in Toronto for four more years, uh, a cap hit of $5.625 million a year. He's also out a month with a broken hand because that's the way things are going for the Leafs right now. Pratt, How is he able to sign the contract? Got two hands, baby. So I'll give you two of them. You ever break one hand, you just... I mean, it would suck. And also, that signature would be hilarious. But... <laughs> He just, like, he breaks his writing hand and he just has to do it with the knot. It just scribbles. It's a big X, like a 1930s, like, cartoon contract. I think if I ever become a GM, that's going to be my whole, that's good. Like, whenever they're about to sign the contract, I'll be like, no, 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 deal with the other one. It's funny. We'll have a good laugh. Just do the other one. Uh, It'll be good. It'll be good. Just watch. Just watch. It'll be good. Go on, go on. Pavel Frankius stays in Colorado for two more years. Two million a season. Nick Holden stays in Vegas for two years, one point seven million a year. William Carrier also stays stays in Vegas for four years, one point four million a year. Zach Bogosian got out of the hell on earth that is Buffalo, and now he's in Tampa. Wow, what a life! I mean, that's a swing in like IRL term. Maybe I mean hockey is pretty good too, but going from Buffalo to Tampa, that's a that's a life change right there. And one poor year. Poor Wayne Simmons has to take his place in Buffalo, which oh, is just oh god, yeah, that's it's amazing. awful. You hate to see it. You actually hate to see it. Yeah, poor Wayne. We got to, yeah. Uh, one year, 1.3 million for <laughs> vacation. Rocco Grimaldi, two years, 2 million to stay in Nashville. Martin Firk, I think that's how you say his name. Two years in LA, 725K a year, because that's, that's how four good he is. Kevin Poulin, one year. Signs for the remainder of the year with the Kings, 700K. Left hand defenseman, Julian Melchorier. Melchorier. I'm not. You guys don't know. Signs of the year for uh, signs of the deal for the Devils for this year. One year, 700k. Uh, it's uh, a Milchman. Thank you. <laughs> the Milchman delivered. Oh my God! Every time he scores, all one goal. The Milchman scoreth. 
I can't okay. imagine it's happening very much if he's signing for one year, 700K. Yeah. But Well, then if he's on defense, too, whenever he blocks a shot, he says, the milch man can take it away. So he's got he's got a lot of work on what's his name for this guy we don't know. Uh, Detroit was active on the waiver wire this week. They picked up right-hand defenseman Cody Golubev and winger Dimitro Timoshov. And also the Ducks claimed Andrew Agazino off waivers from the Penguins. Blue Jackets keep getting hurt. Oliver Borkstrand is now out for the rest of the regular season, a.k.a. 8 to 10 weeks with a sprained and fractured ankle. Kyler after he ran into the brick wall that is Phil Myers. At, yeah, after Phil Myers said, I'm a grown man, and it became all thing. That, dude, uh, I gotta be honest. Watching that, I... As somebody who appreciates some good defensive hockey, to see, like... So, when Bork, Bjorkstrand was coming down the ice at the end of that game... I'm sitting there going, Jesus Christ, if he scores here and, he, <laughs> and the Flyers lose this game with two seconds left, I'm going to lose my shit. Because I think they just, they come back and tied it up after a bad start in that game. Yeah. And it's just, it, that's how you think as a Flyers fan, right? You're anticipating yeah. the worst. And then Phil Myers just dumps him over. Just yeah. dumps him over. I mean, it sucks that he got it hurt, but Jesus, like watching Phil Myers just be like, Nah, that was great. That was such a it, weight room play. Like he just literally just. It's terrible for Bjorkstrand that he's yeah. hurt, but it was awesome as a Flyers fan to see Phil Myers just shut that down and be like, nope. That's the thing. And that's the thing with Phil Myers is this fucker. It can ever figure out where and when to be all the time. Like if he gets the positioning and the defensive responsibility down, he's going to, he's going to be a, a horse in every aspect of the game. Like he's going to be a threat offensively. And he's just going to play good defense and bury dudes like that all the time. That's that's why that's why him watching him sometimes right now is a little frustrating. But like if he ever irons it out, it's going to be it's going to be scary. Uh, where where else? Oh, uh, Kyler Yamamoto is a week to week with an ankle injury for the Oilers. Uh, Igor Shosturkin, as we mentioned on Flyers forecast, is out. At le- or he'll be reevaluated in two weeks because he suffered a broken rib in a car crash this week. He was in a car crash with Pavel. Oh, Butchnevich. Butchnevich is uh, day-to-day. It's just Durkin is out at least two weeks and then be re-evaluated. So he's going to be out for these next two games against the Flyers, by the way, if you don't listen to the forecast. Listen to the forecast. Jacob Markstrom out three to four weeks after undergoing a minor knee surgery to help here a meniscus tear. So that could go back to the Louis Domingue edition. And then last but not least, friend of the show, friend in the real life, uh, Peter Laviolette has been named the team US, as Team USA's head coach at the 2020 World Championship. Uh, Laviolette was fired on January 6th when the Predators were 19, 15, and 7. By the way, that stat line and when he was fired is also from Wikipedia. So all you Predators fans out there, take a check out. <laughs> and that, that is it. Yeah, we're good, good for Peter Laviolette. Good for yeah, Lava. Yeah, good for him. Do you think he's gonna? You think he's gonna get another shot here? I think so. Um, I think he will too, mainly because he didn't do anything Bill Peters esque. And uh, there's gonna be some teams that probably are gonna be looking for coaches in the off season. So uh, they're gonna get like one. they're gonna get like two to three great years out of him. Yeah, no, they will. And the Preds did. Uh, That's they, what uh, happens. Yeah. You get two to three great years out of Laviolette, and then the effect of. Uh, chewing that gum aggressively and getting that jam and those timely timeouts wears off. It's horseshit. <laughs> I just keep, I always think of that. Uh, you know why Hartsy? Cause you don't fucking care. Nobody cares. <laughs> the fucking locker room speech. For that's, the, that's the thing about aggressive coaches though, man. Like they are like, I can't believe Tortorella is still working in Columbus and it's working out as well as he is because uh, typically an aggressive coach, like, you get like a couple really good years out of them and then the team just tunes them out. Yeah, no, it's true. And really, honestly, 
I don't want them to win their award, but it, it should something should be said for how good Columbus is doing this year, considering what the expectations were coming into the season, and then considering half their team is just I can't name half the team. Yeah. I I can name maybe five Blue Jackets. Like that's impressive <laughs> that they're even in the race. Yeah. So I mean, he does. Yeah, but he's got stamp power, a little bit of credit, I guess. I do. I'm trying to think of a team that is good that might fire their coach coming up and could be like two or three years away from winning it all. Like I'm trying to think of like Maurice has been there in Winnipeg for a while. I know they have a little bit of issues with their defense right now. I don't know. Maybe Winnipeg, maybe Montreal. Although Laviolette is American. That kind of does play up there in Montreal. Better study up on your French, Peter Laviolette. I mean, the the name sounds right, right? You just got to speak the language, you know? Yeah. Yeah, same with uh, I don't, uh, does so Boudreau, weird. Does Bruce Boudreaux speak French? I don't even know if that's a because he's got the. It sounds like Boudreaux would be a name that would be something Canadians fans would jump at. But I mean, I know he can smell food. Uh, not lying. Yeah. <laughs> who do you? Yeah, yeah. I got nothing. I was gonna say, who do you think could eat more, Reed or Bruce Boudreaux? I think I think Reed could probably do a little more. I just want to see Bruce Boudreaux in the wing bowl. That's all I want to say. Oh, against Andy Reid. <laughs> Listen, Andy Reid, like, Andy Reid said he was going to celebrate winning the Super Bowl by eating the biggest cheeseburger ever. Like, that's that's that, where Andy Reid said is very, that. Yeah, that's very Andy Reid. I like it. I also, yeah. we should stop matching the wing bowl. We don't want to will it back into existence, right? Like, we're, we're good. We that's don't. all up to WIP. And, you know, they do with hockey. If there's an account with two S's on the end, they're going to get the fake news from that one. We just got to. All you gotta do is create an account called Wing Bowls, and then with like five S's in the back. Yeah, five S's to say we're back, and WIP's gonna right. report it on air that it's it's back. <laughs> and that is how Roman Yossi became a flyer for yeah. Shane Gostaspare in a first. If that trade actually happened, I would be pretty fucking stoked about it. Roman Yossi's not bad at hockey at all. It's a oh, pretty yeah, that's a that's a nice trade, but. uh it's very fake. Not real. Good job. Not real. Not real fake. Not real at all. Fake news. Yeah. Very fake news. Yeah, Actual fake, fake yeah. news. All right, gang. That's all we got. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Uh, yeah, I was going to have something about the Flyers not creating at this year's deadline. And it might actually work out better for the next year. I was going to have it out this week. I'll put it out early next week. And then also, I believe I will be on BSH Radio next week. So that out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, tangy yeah. tent there, Craig, on BSH Radio. Yeah, so, you know, and again, it's that one guy that likes to call me a doorknob. Just stay away from that episode. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all be good. We'll be fine. So, yeah. The doorknob for safe. <laughs> He'll turn this episode upside down. <laughs> that was terrible, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Craig, if sports are bad, you can reach me at Flyperbole or at Estee Bomb. But for your hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Uh, you can also follow uh, BSH Radio, Broad Street Hockey, like us on Facebook. Be sure to rate, subscribe, all that great stuff. And that's all we got. Until next time, folks, good night and good hockey. Wow. 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 Wow.
Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!